She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Are you there, Freddy? Here's Johnny! <laughs> we'll tear your soul apart. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. Tell me something, have you guys ever watched a movie where as you're going along you think to yourself, hang on a minute, did I actually miss something? So you end up by rewinding it back or going back a few frames, it's like no, didn't miss anything. Well, this movie is one of those really strange ones. Now, the part that is missing is not in the back, not in the middle, but it's at the front. Now when I say it's at the front, it is the coldest open you've ever seen in your life. Now, I've only seen this on YouTube, I've never seen this on DVD, and I've never seen this on VHS, but I literally started watching this movie, and it goes from, just, it just starts. It doesn't give you a, this is the, you know, the, the title screen as far as, you know, the, um, who's making this movie, the director, whatever, this is the title. No, it literally starts as a cold open. It just... You, you can go into YouTube right now and search for this movie, and it just starts. And it's like, oh my god, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. So we are going to be reviewing the 1985 satirical science fiction horror film, The Stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's not the greatest movies in the world. Or sorry, greatest movie in the world. Um, it's very, very interesting, to say the least. It's, yeah, it really... I don't know why I even picked this one. I think it was because the fact is that I, I'd, I'd seen this so many times as far as a advertisement on a VHS cassette, and I thought, wow, you know, the stuff, that looks really interesting. So after all these years, and I'm telling you, and also a couple of hard try, ties of trying to get to it, I thought, you know what, I'll give it a shot. So 87 minutes of my life was taken up with the stuff with a budget of $1.7 million. I cannot tell you exactly how it went from there, um, because there is no end as far as how it went on the in the box office. But like I said, I think I'll watch these movies so you guys don't have to. But believe me, if you want to, you are more than welcome to go onto YouTube and type in the stuff, and it's the entire movie from beginning and basically from the beginning to end. And as I said, it is the coldest open you've ever seen. It has no title card, and when you see when you do see the title card, it's and it, you know the stuff. It looks like it's a made-for-TV movie. It's just so generic. It looks like someone's just gone in there and typed the stuff and put it there with, you know, the logo on the top. That's it. There's no cool, you know, anything. It's just the stuff over the movie. So it is a really, really cold open, and it's a really freaky movie. Before I get started, remember I'm on all social platforms, Instagram and Facebook at HorrorCryptOz, and you can send me a direct message at HorrorCryptOz at gmail.com. I promise that if anyone really... <laughs> reaches out to me, I will guarantee you that I will reply to you. I really will. I promise. Before I get started, remember we always listen to the um, the trailer. So sit back, because here it comes. The stuff is here now. Great new day sensation. Light and free now. Put you elevation. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough of the stuff. The stuff. The taste that makes you hungry for more. We interrupt this presentation 
with the following urgent message. Tonight, America is in grave danger. We are under alien attack by a popular dessert known as the stuff. Here, Jason, take some. No, don't eat that. There is something alive in there. Tasty. There's something alive in yogurt. It's called benign bacteria. If the stuff is in your house, do not eat it. If you have it on your shelves, do not sell it. If you distribute this material, close your doors, make no more sales. So this movie is the 1985 satirical science fiction horror film, The Stuff. <laughs> and uh, this was uh, a film that, as they say, in the film, a sweet and addictive alien substance becomes a popular dessert in the United States, but soon begins attacking people and turning them into zombies. This film is a satire on American lifestyle and consumer society. Yeah, it certainly is. It really goes to show you that almost, and I'm not going to just limit this to America, because I can guarantee you this is all over the world. People will eat anything. They really will. If it's packaged right, they'll eat it, you know. And um, the movie was actually released in June 14th, 1985. 87 minutes of the running time. The budget was $1.7 million. I've got no idea of how much money the actual movie made. But I couldn't believe it would be, you know, a, an exorbitant amount of money. I don't believe it would be a blockbuster by any stretch of the imagination. This movie does actually also star Paul Sorvino, which was, uh, um, he's very popular in the God, uh, like in the, um, God, I was going to say Godfather, but it wasn't, it was, he was in Goodfellows as Paulie. So, you know, there is certainly, um, you know, a big name star in there, but other than that, everyone else is just basically forgettable. And when I've said to you before that the movie just starts as a cold open, it really does. Um, now, I don't know, I've never seen this movie on VHS at all. I haven't seen it on DVD either. The only way I found this is by looking for it um, on YouTube, and I found it. It's actually the full movie. It's not dubbed, it's not subtitled, whatever. You can see the entire movie from start to finish. But when it starts up, there's no title page, no nothing. I mean, it just basically is a cold open, and it starts with wham. Several railway workers discover a white cream-like alien substance bubbling out of the ground. No, not several. One guy. The movie starts with this guy. He's just walking along the railway yard. And obviously, this is where he works. And uh, it's snowing. So, first of all, I don't even know how the hell you'd even discover this. Because the stuff is the exact same color as snow. But he goes over and he... <laughs> He looks at it, he takes his glove off and puts, puts his finger into it and puts it up to his lips and he goes, mmm, tasty. And of course, one of the guys, you know, is, is wandering past and he goes, oi, come over and have a taste of this. And he goes, snow, you're eating snow? I'm not interested in eating snow at all. And continues you know, continues walking on. Another guy you see is you know, walking along and he's like, you know, come on. I don't know what the guy's name is, but he says, you know, come on, let's go. It's time to, time to finish. Now, this is in the evening time, like, and this is night time. And he goes, no, 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 come over and have a have a taste of this. This is really, really nice. So he goes over and he, and he says the same thing. You're eating snow? He goes, no, this ain't no snow. Anyway, they taste it and they're like, oh my God, that is really, really tasty. So this is the whole thing. It just, you know, it just basically is this whole scenario of like they found something on the ground that's tasty. They decide that they're going to eat it. And I, now I don't know who packaged it. No idea whether it's the first guy that found it 
or the second guy that found it, I'm not sure, but it doesn't actually tell you what's going on. And then suddenly you see a um, the movie cuts to a house, as in, you know, uh, a, a bedroom, and just over the top, over the this frame, it just says, The Stuff. doesn't say anything like that. It looks like it's a TV movie. It really does. And so you see this young boy, and he is rather hot upstairs. You know, he's he's... He's he's boiling up, and obviously because it's it's a rather warm night. He's got some really cool stuff in his bedroom, by the way. He's got a lot of Star Wars stuff and things like that. And he goes downstairs to get a get a glass of water. And of course, all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's he opens up the the fridge and he sees this thing, the stuff, and it's actually moving. And he has that immediate, oh my god, what the hell, you know, moment. And then all of a sudden, his father comes downstairs and basically tears him a new one and says, you know, you scared me half to death. I thought you were a burglar. And basically wallops his ass and says, get back upstairs. And it's like, you absolute dick. Like, this, this father is a, is a moron. And, you know, you, you want to slap this guy upside the head. You really do. And, of course, then he decides to go into the fridge and he picks up the... Uh, the um, container of the stuff and starts eating it. Now, a little clarification. The stuff looks like yogurt. It really does. But we'll find out that how bad this stuff really is. So the stuff is being sold to the general public in containers just like ice cream. It is marketed as having no calories and being sweet, creamy and filling. And it really does. I mean, this people are saying that um, you know you can eat as much as you want of this stuff. Funny enough, of this stuff. And you never ever get fat, and you don't gain weight, and it's it's rich, it's creamy, it, it tastes wonderful, but you just can't get fat on it. And so people are basically throwing away all their regular food to just stock up on the stuff. Now this, if that's not consumerism at its finest, I don't know what is, because it's almost like you know you're replacing your regular diet with this this stuff. I keep saying this stuff, but I can't not say the stuff because that's what it is. But people are actually replacing their entire um, food groups and their entire diets with just eating this. And, you know, even at one stage, you know, through the, throughout the movie, one of the um, characters, um, this young boy's uh, mother, says, I've lost all this weight on you know, eating this and it's great and it's very healthy. And even the father says, you know, it's great to, to eat. And, you know, you, you should really try it. Uh, of course, the, the boy is just not interested in trying this stuff because he's already seen it moving in the fridge by itself. So, hey... You know, if you see something moving in your fridge, chances are you're not about to go and go, oh, that's awesome, I think I'll have some of that. No, not at all. So the, the stuff quickly becomes a nationwide craze and drastically hurts the sales of ice cream. And it really does because the ice cream vendors and things like that are trying to get a foothold back into the market. But this this stuff is um, cons basically consuming the entire population of um, the city so in all honesty the sales of everything from you know ice cream to down to chocolate chips uh, cookies are basically being decimated by the stuff so the former FBI agent turned industrial saboteur David Mo Rutherford is hired by leaders of the suffering ice cream industry as well as junk food mogul Charles W chocolate chip Charlie Hobbs to find out exactly what stuff is, what the stuff is and destroy it now a little background, and I've got to actually play the audio clip for this one because Mo Rutherford is very, very unique. And the first thing, first time we see him, he's being whisked away on a speedboat towards a very luxury, nice luxury cruiser in the harbour. And he's going to go and meet these guys. Um, he hasn't met Chocolate Chip Charlie yet, but he is meeting the ice cream industry moguls, and they're really after the secret recipe of what is the stuff. If we can get a hold of that, we can duplicate it 
and we can actually compete. But right now we can't compete with this stuff because it's just taking over everything. Ice cream sales are diminishing and they have said, you know, well, this guy, you know, this saboteur, we really need him because for the good of the, uh, for, good, for the good of ice cream and <laughs> for the good of the ice cream industry. But uh, so Mo, Mo Rutherford is basically taken on board the ship to meet with the executives and to find out exactly what's going on. And it is the fact that, you know, the stuff is decimating the, uh, the industry and they really want to know what the hell it is and how can you help us. And Mo Rutherford basically says, I'll just keep calling him, I'll just call him Mo, basically says, listen, I'll get in there, I'll, I'll investigate, I'll see what's going on, maybe do a little bit of you know, sabotage you know, in this company and try and decimate it from the, from the inside out so you, know, you can reclaim your sales. Now, I can explain that you know, in my voice, but I want you guys to hear exactly what Mo Rutherford sounds like. Oh, this is some place you got here, fellas. Gosh, let me, uh, that's a sweaty palm. That's Ooh. two sweaty palms. Let me feel you. Ah, that's another sweaty palm. Yes, sir, hello, sweaty palm. You know, Mr. Uh, Rutherford, Mo Rutherford. Yeah. You know why they call me Mo? No, why? Because every time people give me money, I always want Mo. So I really needed to play that for you because I reckon that is just hilarious. This guy, Mo, he's just, he is very, very unique. He really is. And he has that whole idea of like, well, I'm going to go and, and find out what's going on, but I want to get, you know, some money and, you know, you're going to pay me this and pay me that. And, uh, you know, and the companies uh, that actually have hired him are like, we don't care what you do. We don't care how you do it. Don't tell us, but just go and do it. And that's when he comes up with the, you know, when people give me um, money, I always want more. It's he, he is a real character and he, he's a standout in this in this movie. Um, and it is, it's one of the interesting, funny parts of this movie, I must admit. I, you know, as much as I thought this was ridiculous, and a lot of the movie is ridiculous, the CGI is terrible. And as I've said to you before, I watch these movies so you guys don't have to. But if you really want to, please go onto YouTube, type in the stuff, it's the full movie. You can watch the trailer as well, but you can watch the movie from beginning to end. And I'm pretty much sure that you'll sit there and go, really? Like, he watched this movie to um to review yeah i did because i've been wanting to see this movie for the longest time and you know i i gave in and i'm like i've got to i've got to watch this and actually review it on the horror crypt so under their commissions rutherford conducts an investigation into the stuff his efforts reveal to his initial horror that the craze for the dessert is far deadlier than anyone has believed the stuff is actually a living <laughs> parasitic and possibly sentinel organism that gradually takes over the brain it then mutates those who eat it into bizarre zombie-like creatures before consuming them from the inside out and leaving them an empty shell of their former selves so when the young boy and i can't remember his name jason thank you when jason first sees it moving in the uh, in the fridge you know this kid is is what most people would consider to be an absolute hellion on earth because he sees this stuff moving and of course he he decides i'm not going to be partaking in the eating of this and he leaves the house and he's supposed to be going to school but he decides to go to a grocery store instead and basically takes a bat to all the the containers of the stuff he goes into the um, refrigeration area and smashes the refrigerator to make sure that there's no way that this stuff can be you know kept cold and he's basically just kicking he's just destroying the place all over you know he's just destroying the stuff and um you know the store owners and the store managers are all running over trying to subdue this kid but he's just absolute at a is a fever peach trying to get rid of all this stuff because he's saying you know don't eat it it, it moves it's, it's no good for you 
But you know, when it is the fact that it, it does, um, you know, it does consume you from the inside out. It really does do that. The more you eat, the 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 more that you're actually obviously you're consuming more. But it is filling you up inside, and then eventually, when it decides that it wants to then break out from you, it comes out your mouth and then disappears. You might have a little bit of of stuff left on your mouth once it's it's evacuated from your body. But then what's the initial thing you need to do? You, you you want more. It's it's that addictive. You want more. So you go back and start eating it again. So it's a continuous cycle. You're basically the vessel for this stuff that is going to be going all over the place. It goes by itself. And as I said, the CGI in this movie is not the best. I mean, you do see a, a part of the movie where um, the quarry that it first started at, they've basically dug out a very huge area of, of um, the quarry to actually make sure that they can actually continuously get the stuff out of the ground. Um, and the tanker trucks are basically just sucking it out of the ground, putting it into like milk trucks and driving it to the store um, or to the, to the industry. They're not actually filtering it. It's just coming directly out of the ground, which, you know, in essence, that's a good theory, you know, um, but it's just, yeah, the CGI is terrible because it, it's bubbling up and it's, it's basically exposing itself and it goes back down. Um, so there's an entire lake basically filled with the stuff, but it's bubbling in certain areas. But the CGI is, is rather, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's rather on the nose, unfortunately. So a young boy named Jason also discovers the stuff is alive and sees how it affects his family and how they are adamantly against his beliefs on the stuff. So, you know, they are trying to convince him. He's got an older brother. And they're really trying to convince him that he needs to eat the stuff. And so, you know, at one stage, the mother has basically done away with all cooking. They're like, no, we're not eating any of that food. We're eating only, only healthy in this place. And we're actually eating just this. And he opens up the refrigerator to see the entire fridge is stocked from, from, from ground to top with the stuff. And he's trying to convince these parents that, no, this is bad. It's, it, it moves. It's, it's no good. But of course, at this stage, we know by watching the movie that this has already taken over his father and his mother and his brother. So at, at one stage, they give him a container of the stuff and, and the father says, you go upstairs, you finish that, then you can come down and join the family. And he's like, okay. So he takes the, takes the stuff upstairs. And of course, what's the first thing he does? He tries to flush it down the toilet. He throws it into the toilet. And unfortunately, this thing, um, this sentient um, stuff starts sticking to the toilet bowl and he's continuously flushing and flushing and flushing to get rid of it. Finally, he does. And now this is ingenious. And a lot of kids wouldn't think about this. And believe me, I wouldn't have thought about this at, at his age. He decides that he is going to fill the container full of shaving cream and then starts you know, basically making sure that the, the family are seeing that he's eating it. And uh, so he goes downstairs and, and the, the older brother, who's an absolute dickhead, the older brother says, oh, I thought you were, you were supposed to stay upstairs until you finished the whole thing. He goes, I am. I'm just taking my time. Of course, the older brother goes to grab, you know, a, you know, a spoonful of it. And he's like, hey, this is mine. Go get your own. Well, that's because the fact that if he does expose the fact that he's not eating the stuff, um, there's going to be hell to pay. And God knows what this family is going to do to this poor kid. So obviously, as we go along, we realize that Jason is going to get into trouble for not actually eating the stuff because... Uh, his brother goes to attack him and drags, try to drag him back into the house because they think that he's, you know, trying to pull a fast one over them. And the father tastes the um, the stuff and realizes that Jason is not eating it, but he's actually eating shaving cream. And at that stage, he then instructs his family to get him and bring him back. So <laughs> poor old Jason is is hightailing out of the house, and the family are pretty much on, you know, they're on his heels trying to grab him to bring him back. So we all know that 
at this stage they've become zombies they are now in, under the control of the stuff and they are chasing this poor kid down to either kill him or to basically force feed him at this stage uh, rutherford happens to intervene and he comes to the aid of, of jason and gets jason to jump in the car and and uh, drive off with him and does say you know i know i've seen it too i've seen it move and of course as they're driving along having a great time uh, jason decides that he's going to throw up in the back of the car and uh so he doesn't he says um i'm sorry but i've just thrown up in your car and he goes well that it just happens and he goes well in my defense i did eat uh you know some shaving cream so this is what was going to happen he's like yeah well you know we all have to eat some shaving cream now and again so <laughs> that's fine no problems so the stuff so he um jason decides he's going to go and, and vandalize another supermarket by this time but this time he actually gets arrested for vandalizing the supermarket shelves um Rutherford also manages to charm Nicole, an, ag an advertising executive who becomes his partner and lover. It's not really a love scene. I don't really see any attraction with those guys. There's no on-camera chemistry whatsoever. It's just, yeah, it's it's an interesting little fact that they, they throw in the, into the movie. Um, you know, but there's, there's real no on-screen chemistry. But remember, this is a B-grade movie, so you're not going to get a whole lot of backstory. You're not going to get a whole lot of real in-depth love scenes and things like that it's basically it is what it is it's you know 87 minutes worth of just mindless entertainment maybe it's fun maybe it's not but it's just mindless entertainment for entertainment's sake but it, it's still it'll still hold your interest somewhat you know um when she sees this stuff uh, the effect of the stuff she actually sees um what had gone on because she'd actually witnessed the stuff coming out of people as well so she's now completely on board with mo and uh, with jason going we need to stop this and try and get this rectified. In the meantime, Mo decides that he's going to go to a um, a place where, like, it's it's like a town that sort of like has become a ghost town almost overnight. And uh, this is where we meet Chocolate Chip Charlie, and he is a guy who actually owned the Chocolate Chip Company, who basically was, for lack of a better word, his company was taken over by his family, who then drove him to bankruptcy and bought him out. So this is a guy that owned a chocolate chip company, a uh, chocolate chip cookie company. Um, very successful, very you know, very wealthy, and his family just sold it out from under him. Don't know how that happened. They don't tell us why it happened or how it happened. But I don't. I didn't never really thought that it was actually to do with the stuff. But you know, because that was almost like a sub story in itself that that uh, poor old chocolate chip had gone and got his business basically sold out from under him because his family wanted his fortune. So you know. Mo goes to this deserted sort of like country town and, and says, you know, what happened here? And he go and the only two guys that are left over is basically a, a store clerk and a guy who runs the gas station. And he says, you know, this is what happened to, you know, this town. And they came through and suddenly everyone had just disappeared overnight. And, and of course, Mo's really got no idea what's going on because how can a huge group of people just disappear overnight? We find that, unfortunately, as the, uh, the stuff does penetrate you that's a terrible word isn't it penetrate it doesn't do that once the once you've eaten the stuff um and it's had its way with you no we can't even say that <laughs> we can't even say had its way with you let's just say when you've eaten the stuff and it's done what it has to do in you it actually comes out of you and basically you are left either a zombie or your head explodes or whatever but you just are not the person that you were so Really, in all honesty, this this whole place has just gone to hell because everyone is either super super addictive to um, the stuff and has disappeared. But you know, Mo is just at a loss to try and figure this out, and, and how he came across 
chocolate chip was he was just in a in a um in a, a bar I think it was or a or a, a diner and he happened to come across chocolate chip Charlie who was sitting drowning his sorries about sorries about the fact that he'd lost all his money and his company so this is the way this is how it becomes so remember with the whole three of them now we've got um we've got Jason we've got Mo and now we've got this girl um Nicole so they all decide to team up and infiltrate the distribution operation which is actually an organized corporate effort to spread the stuff on the basis of eliminating world hunger and destroy and they destroyed they end up by destroying a lake of the stuff with explosives now i don't know i didn't <laughs> it was basically blowing up the wall and making the stuff collapse like all the wall of like um soil and rocks and stuff just collapse under the under the stuff however before this happens Jason is running, there's a continuity area here, Jason is running around in what seems to be an open wooded area, area and then arrives at a deserted um, factory and sees a, a truck which is going to be loaded up with this stuff, we didn't know this was going to happen, so he decides to, instead of trying to be you know, inconspicuous, he climbs inside of the milk truck and he's like, ah, oh, okay, how did I get myself into here? Goes to get out, and of course, one of the workers work, walks past and sees the hatch open at the top of the truck and closes it, and therefore locking poor old Jason in. So now it's like, and he does say, how did I get myself into this? So now we realize that the stuff is going to be pumped into this truck eventually, um, and Jason is going to get consumed with this. And of course, it does start to happen. You know, Jason's sitting in this in this truck, and he's banging away trying to get out, but there's absolutely no way whatsoever that he's going to get out of this truck. And then all of a sudden you see the valve open up to start releasing the stuff into it. Now, this is where the really bad CGI comes into it. So we don't know whether he's on a sound stage or whether, I mean, obviously Jason's playing against a green screen because the way that his feet are, he should be on like a an angle, you know, because the, the, the truck, you think of like a milk truck, you know, you've got that cylinder. Well, he's inside the cylinder, so he, he doesn't have a huge amount of space that is going to be flat. He should be really, you know, going up on one side and the other side. The continuity error is he's got a completely flat ground to work with. Then, of course, the stuff that's coming towards him, well, that's massively CGI'd as, as well, but it's not matching the way that, that it's looking towards Jason. So it really has got a bit of the old, yeah, this is... But then again, as I said, this is a B-grade movie. It's not the A-grade movie that I have done in the past, so you've just got to go with, go with it for me. But, of course, there is Jason, and he's banging away at the top, trying to scream to get out of this. And who should see, who should hear him? It's Mo, Mo to the rescue. And of course, Mo jumps up onto the truck, opens up the hatch and pulls him out just in time as the stuff goes to jump up and consume um, Jason. So we know, oh, thank God. Okay, Jason's safe. Hey, awesome. No problems at all. So meanwhile, the United States Army Colonel Malcolm Gromit Spears, a retired soldier, teams up with a trio and leads a militia in, the ba in battling the zombies and transmitting a civil defense message for Americas to break their addiction to the stuff by destroying it with fire. Uh, I, I don't know how they even came up with this idea that it was going to be destroyed with fire. Um, there was a, a, an instance where Mo and Nicole were in a motel room, and of course Mo was laying there and he was, you know, <laughs> almost off to sleep. And of course, all of a sudden, the stuff breaks out from the pit from his pillow and grabs a hold of his of his head and tries to suffocate him. Of course, at that stage, Nicole then grabs a hold of it and tries to get off, get it off poor old Mo. And it just so happens that Mo has a um, some matches next to his bed, and I don't know how he strikes it, but he strikes it and he hits the, um, the stuff, and of course it goes up in flames. 
it doesn't actually tell you that it actually killed it. It just like slows it down. And that way those two can escape. So it's sort of like it's got a, well, does fire actually kill it? I, I don't know. And the fact that it's, it's sentient, you know, it could be that it can adapt very easily to certain certain situations. Of course, we also don't know whether, I mean, we know it's an alien, you know, parasite that's coming out of the ground, but you always wonder where it came from. Was it, you know, sent from, you know, space in, in you know, a capsule or whatever? We don't know that either. So basically, it's a movie where you can just fill in the gaps as you go along and just wonder to yourself, could it be this? Could it be that? You just you just go with it. That's all there is to it. And he does say, you know, if you've got it on your shelves, don't sell it. This is to the to, you know, supermarkets. If you've got it in your house, you know, get rid of it. Don't eat it. And he's trying to make sure that the entire country is aware that this is it, this is going to take you over if you happen to um, give in to it and eat it. So, of course, in their efforts to try and warn the entire country, poor old Hobbs, um, remember that is Chocolate Chip Charlie, he is zombified at the, at the Colonel's radio station. I didn't even realise that a Colonel could own a radio station. Um, it doesn't say that he owns it. We don't even know that he owns it. He just happens to um, take it over to relay a message to the general public to say, you know, this stuff is everywhere. Don't consume it. Don't sell it. You know, destroy it, whatever. So poor old Hobbs, we didn't even realise that he'd actually even eaten the stuff because he makes a habit of saying, you know, I'm not interested in, in that. That's what destroyed my, my company. That's what destroyed my family. And so we've never seen him eat it at all. But as Nicole is walking him through the so-called Colonel's radio station, he starts convulsing. And this is uh, CGI, puppetry, call it what you will. It's just, it's very interesting that his head opens up that high or his mouth opens up that wide to have the stuff expel out of his mouth. And then, of course, he just convulses. And unfortunately, his head explodes in the process. And as as uh, Nicole and Jason are cornered in the recording booth by the dangerous ooze, so remember it comes out of your out of your mouth, um, and it starts to attack anyone around you. So it may be that that last little bit of remnants in there made his head explode. We don't know why. It hasn't exploded anybody else's head. We saw in the uh, in the town where one of the guys had eaten the stuff and it had expelled out of his mouth and gone out the window. But of course he came to, he wiped the side of his mouth and he was fine. So why it decided to explode Chocolate Chip Charlie's head, we will never know. But we just go with it. Doesn't matter. So the Colonel lights the stuff on fire, making their making their broadcast. The stuff addiction is ended, and Rutherford, Nicole, Jason, and Colonel Spears are hailed national heroes. Yeah, and and look, I'm talking very very fast about this movie because this is exactly how fast this movie goes. There's very little downtime in this movie. There's very little time that you sit there and go, "Wow." This is dragging on. It's, as I said, it's 87 minutes. Is eight, Yeah, 87 minutes, and it speeds through because they have to do so much, you know, um, in a short amount of time. So they've got to give you, you know, the beginning, middle, and end, you know, scene one, two, and three, you know, and they've got to make sure that they get this at a fast pace so that way you know what's going on because it's trying to hold your interest. And this is a satirical comedy horror movie, so, hey, I don't know. So Mo then visits the head of the stuff company, a man named Fletcher. He tells Mo that the destruction of the mine has not hurt his business, since the stuff seeps out of the many places in the ground, but Mo vows to find those places and get rid of them. Another man, Mr. Vickers, bring, brings in Mr. Evans, the ice cream mogul with whom he is now working, and who has originally hired Mo to find out what the stuff was. So he, you know he's gone through, and at one stage... You see um, Mo and Nicole going through the distribution plant, 
and uh, they've got like these these little slides um, on the table the different components of the stuff and they, they're trying to find out well what do you do do you refine it do you you know how do you make it the way it is we don't need we don't need to make it it just comes out naturally it's a natural preservative out of nature and of course you know Mo is completely unconvinced and we as we all know this is not coming out of the ground as a natural alternative to eating anything else this is just yeah it's an alien situation so when Mo comes into the room and, and sees the ice cream mogul and he's like oh okay so you guys are now teaming up and of course this is when Mo decides that yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna keep with this we're gonna actually do something to try and rectify this situation so they tell him they have come up with a new product that they call the taste which is a mix of 88 percent ice cream and 12 percent the stuff yeah like that's gonna actually work like really supposedly enough to make people crave more without it taking over their minds or killing them however mo brings in jason who is carrying a box and then holds the two moguls at gunpoint so you know when when jason walks in he's he's got the box of the stuff and uh, mo's got the gun pointed to them and he goes oh this is jason he lost his entire family so he's seen quite a lot and i love this it basically it's almost like jason reads it back to him because he says to the looks at the to the guys and he goes i've yeah i've seen it i've seen a lot and it's like, oh my god, really? And so the guys know, you know, the ice cream mogul, they know that this is addictive. They know that if they eat this, it's not going to be a good scenario that's going to come out for them. But of course, Mo is standing there with a gun, so it's like, here's, here's one of two choices. I'm either going to shoot you, or you're going to eat the stuff. So you don't want to die, you don't want me to shoot you, so you better start eating. And so it basically is now a um, a battle of wills. Who's going to Who's going to you know, get through this, and of course, it, it wins out that Mo and Jason actually wins out. So the the box is full of pints, uh, the pint containers of the stuff, and Mo forces them to eat them all as punishment for their lives they have lost to it, and for their greed. As they do, Mother Rutherford asks, "Are you eating it, or is it eating you?" When they finish, Mo and Jason leave them to the approaching police. The film ends with smugglers selling the stuff on the black market, having one of the smugglers tasting the stuff and revealing that the samples of the stuff still exist. In a post credit scene, a woman in a bathrobe, Brooke Adams, says, Enough is never enough, while, hire, while holding the stuff. The film goes to black, and that's the end of the movie. Now, in the reception of this movie, Colin Greenland reviewed the stuff for a white dwarf number 77 and stated that a brilliant performance by Cohen stalwart Michael Moriarty as the industrial spy after the truth holds the staggering plot together. It received positive reviews from the critics on review. It was done on Robert, uh, Rotten Tomato. The film has a 71% rating based on 14 reviews. So it wasn't, you know, overly well received. It's, it was moderately received. And it, for the lot of the, for the lot of this movie, it was just, uh, I'll say good fun, I guess. I mean, that's all you can really say. Is it Was it good fun? It was... 87 minutes of, if you've got 87 minutes to spare, sit down and watch this stuff. It's hilarious for hilarious sake. So as far as rating this movie, from uh, 0 to 5, Buckets of Blood, 0 being How Do I Get the Last Two Hours of My Life Back, to 5 being It Was a Perfect Movie and I'd Watch It All Over Again, I'll give this a solid 2.5. <laughs> That's as far as I can do. The CGI was really not the best. The storyline, yeah, it was moderately entertaining, but for the most part, uh, yeah, it, it just... It did. I mean, look, it didn't drag on. That's the best part about this movie. It doesn't drag on. And you know what? The best part about this movie, I guess, in the 2.5 that I gave it, is that it's free. You can watch it on YouTube. You don't have to go and, and buy it. 
It's not a cult movie. It's one of those movies that really never gained a huge audience. Um, so really, unless you found it, and I actually only found it on the preview of a video cassette that I was going to watch. So back in the good old days, uh, everyone remembers that in VHS, you'd get three trailers on the front of a movie that you, you went and bought. So on um, you know, the tr movie that I watched, that I was going to watch, they had this trailer, which was the stuff. So it basically, the trailer was that it was just a, you know, a container full of the stuff. Some guy was talking, the thing was vibrating, and then this white ooze came out over the top of it and towards the screen and covered the screen, and that was the stuff. So that was the only reason that I thought, oh, that might be interesting to watch. I never, ever revisited it again until only recently that I found it, and it was only just through sheer chance that I found it, and I thought, well, why not? But anyway, 2.5 is as much as I can give it, unfortunately, but as I said, it's entertaining for entertaining sake, but, you know, if you've got 87 minutes, go go for it. <laughs> Before I get uh, any further, I'd like to do the Paul's Fun Facts. <laughs> so this movie has an enormous amount of fun facts, and the trivia, there's 27 lots of trivia, and I am by no means at all going to be boring you with 27 things of trivia. So you can go into IMDB and uh, look for the stuff and you can read it all, all yourself. But I'm just going to do um, just a couple, maybe half a dozen, just to give you an idea of how this movie was. So according to this, to the audio commentary on the 2000 Anchor Bay DVD, the scene in the motel where the stuff comes out of the mattress and pillow and attacks Mo, um... The man on the wall and the ceiling was shot in a room that could be turned upside down, allowing the stuff to move up and down the wall. It was exactly the same room used in Nightmare on Elm Street, where Johnny Depp's character Glenn is sucked into his bed and the blood is regurgitated back out onto the ceiling. So yeah, I kind of thought that that was the case. I mean, there, I've seen a lot of those movies, uh, even a 1980-something uh, movie, the, um, Breakin', uh, the Breakdance movie, um, I think it was Electric Boogaloo number 2, he does the same thing. He goes up the wall and does a, a you know a head spin or a knee spin on the ceiling. So they use the same same technique as well. So it's good to see that this movie sort of like was um, you know in, not inspired at all, but this scene actually was also in Nightmare on Elm Street. So when a lot of er uh, char uh, characters actors say that they really went over and above for their character, this is definitely one for the books. According to Larry Cohen himself, in some scenes in which the stuff chases characters, a foam made of blended fish bones was used. It stank so much that as soon as the shots were done, the actors ran to a river in order to bathe and get rid of the stench. You know, suffering for your art, there are some actors that go above and beyond and it's definitely suffering for your art. I, I swear to God, you know, and I don't think these guys made millions of dollars on this movie. I don't think that at all. It was just almost like a paycheck. But yeah, wow, that's just disgusting. So as I said, Larry Cohen, who is the director, really was thinking about consumerism at, you know, at a core level. And he was quoted in saying that my main inspiration was the consumerism and corporate greed found in our country and the damaging products that were being sold. I was constantly reading in the newspapers about various goods and materials being recycled, sorry, not recycled, recalled because they were harming people. For example, you had foods that being pulled off the market shelves because they were hazardous to people's health. Cohen also cited as his influence. The sheer volume of junk food we consume every day. We continue to eat these foods despite the fact some of them are killing us. 
That's when I started thinking that the stuff could be an imaginary product, in this case an ice cream dessert, that is being consumed by millions and is doing irreparable damage to humanity. Everyone is gobbling down this yummy food, so how can it possibly be wrong for us? Yeah, and this is why I'm saying that it was really at the core factor of this movie that he was really thinking to himself that this is where corporate greed is overtaking society and we are basically being spoon-fed what they want us to, to eat, obviously. Um, but, of course, in not the most healthiest of way. And, of course, that's very much along this... And I'm not going to bash any fast food company at all. I'm merely saying that there was a, a time at McDonald's where they would say, would you like to upsize? They're not allowed to do that anymore. You have to ask for it to be upsized because it was causing a lot of damage to people. They would just say, would you like to upsize? Yep, no worries. Instead of you asking for it. And I think this is where Larry Cohen was really seeing how it was progressing. And in 85, obviously there was that situation was just coming to the forefront. So now, you know, we can see that places like, as I said, McDonald's, I'm not bashing McDonald's. So please don't, Go and sue me for bashing them. I'm not. I like their burgers. I haven't eaten one for the longest time, but I, I, I don't, you know, don't begrudge people who do. But I, as I'm saying, as I lived in the United States for well over four years, and when I first got there, they would just say, would you like to upsize? It was like year two or three that I was there that the ability to upsize was taken away. You had to ask for it. They couldn't ask you. So this is where consumerism is, is coming. So apparently Larry, Larry Cohen wanted to cast Arsenio Hall as Chocolate Chip Charlie, W. Hobbs, since he thought he was not only a good actor but a rising star, but the executives at New World Pictures, however, wanted someone more recognisable and thus cast Garrett Morris instead. I was wondering how that would have actually gone if that had cast um, Arsenio Hall. I wonder if it had been a bit of a different movie. Maybe it would have had more of a, a, a pull into this movie because he was a rising star, but that's rather interesting. So just a couple more. So the executive's office at the end is strangely similar to Mr. Burns' office from The Simpsons, <laughs> particularly the stuffed polar bear. I did not actually pay attention to that. But now it's almost like, okay, if I go back and watch this movie, I can't unsee that. They've said that it looks like Mr. Burns. Okay. Uh, Mr. Burns' office. But wow, I didn't even notice that they had a stuffed polar bear, but well, that is very, very strange, very creepy. And just one final one, just to finish it off. So Larry Cohen stated, the day the stuff opened in New York, a hurricane hit and the newspapers were not delivered. Of course, we had received all these great reviews, but it didn't matter because nobody ever got to read a single word of them because there was no newspapers. So there we go. As I said, there's there's you know half a dozen or so of the trivia that you can look. As I said, you can go into IMDb. They've got trivia. They've got goofs. They've got quotes. They've got you know the crazy credits, the alternate versions, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's well worth getting onto IMDb and having a look and you know seeing what this was all made of. So you know, but anyway, thank you so much once again for coming to the Horror Crypt. Very much appreciated to everyone that's that's downloading the uh, the podcast. I'm hoping you're enjoying it and. Look, we're going to do a whole lot of other movies coming out, and we've got so many movies coming that uh, I really hope you guys stick with me. So, look, until we meet again, and please come back next week, all I'll say is, I'll creep you later. Mm-hmm.